Um, go ahead and turn in your Bible to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And if you're able to make a comment, I want you to list how old you were when you, if you're saved, how old you were when you gave your life to Christ. When you got saved and you committed your life to Christ, you list your age. In my case, I was 15 years old, so it was 27 years ago that I gave my life, I committed my life to Christ. And Sherry gave her life to Christ when she was 13 years old. She told me she wasn't going to do that because she doesn't want to use her phone on the front row here. So anyway, I, uh, I want to encourage you to do that because I think we're, uh, you'll see later on why we want to do that as well. Also, if you're online, list where you're um, watching from. I think it's where we're remembered and people all over the place are watching these online services. When you share these videos live, you never know who's going to be able to tune in, especially during Christmas season, and hear the gospel. Open up your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now, why, are I, why am I preaching on 2 Timothy here at Christmas season? 2 Timothy, I believe, is going to, it really does speak to what is going on in our times today, as well as it's encouraging us as a winner message. The book of 2 Timothy was Paul's final book. Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Most of them, if not all of them, were considered to be letters. If, he wrote, if we give them credit for Hebrews, that would be 14, um, 14 books of the New Testament. Now, that's 27% of the New Testament. So one, a little over one-fourth of what we have from the New Testament comes from the greatest missionary who's ever lived, and that is Paul. Paul is the one that took the gospel into Europe, and the pilgrims took the gospel here to America. And that's why Thanksgiving is such an important, important um, uh, holiday that we, ce we celebrate as Americans. Paul crossed the Aegean Sea and came in to Macedonia in current-day Greece and started planting churches and, and, and bringing the good news of Jesus that just spread all the way up through Europe. Now, I share this because the book of 2 Timothy is Paul's final book. This is when he is in prison in Rome. What's also powerful about Rome is, you know, I hope you've been praying along this week for our Annie, or not Annie, or sorry, our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And today we're praying for a family that serves in Rome, Italy. Rome, where Paul wrote 2 Timothy from, he's in prison, is actually day eight today of what, who we're praying for, of reaching Rome, Italy with the gospel. What irony there. And it's something that our generosity towards international missions, towards giving, certainly helps our missionaries still serving in the city that Paul wrote 2 Timothy from. 2 Timothy, what we're about to see here, is Paul's last days. He is facing a very soon death. Have you ever thought, what would it be like if you know you're soon about to die and you don't have much time left? What would your words be? 
What would you say? What would you do? What would your demeanor and attitude be like? And I think that's what we're about to see. We're about to see the words of a man who has lived many decades sharing the gospel, going on multiple, multiple missionary journeys, planning lots of churches all over the place, has dealt so much with hardship, who's dealt with setbacks and death and opposition. And now he's come to the very end. And I think about that in the life of our nation. As you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. And you know, this week was actually the worst week of this coronavirus pandemic. More Americans contracted COVID-19 and more Americans died this week than any other week since March and COVID-19. So there's a lot of folks that are battling the reality and facing the fear and the truth of death. And they know that winter is coming and we turn on our news if you watch the news and you're being warned about how, how deadly this winter is going to be and uh, how, how dangerous things are going to be. But I think we need to look and take hope and comfort in these words that we are about to read from a man who knows he's about to die. All right. Second Timothy chapter four. These are the last words of the last chapter of the last book of the greatest missionary who has ever lived. Verse nine. Make every effort to come to me soon. The reason Paul's saying this, he's writing to a man named Timothy. Paul is in prison in Rome. He's an elderly man who's very weak. He's writing to a young pastor named Timothy. He's writing to a guy, if I consider myself young, maybe. He's writing to a guy like me, who's based in Ephesus, a church that Paul planted there in current day Turkey. And he's saying, Timothy, I want you to quickly come across the Aegean Sea, and I want you to come visit me, because time is running out. I've been discipling you. I've been mentoring you. I've been praying for you. I've been pouring my life and my resources into you. But now the window is about to close. I don't have much more time. Now, some of you watching this, you do not have much more time. You know this could be your last winter, your last year. Think about the people that if we could rewind from one year ago, December 2019 seems so much different. Miss Judy here, she's on the front row. She sang that song, Go Tell It On Mountain. Think, Miss Judy, how many people? Where were you at in December of 2019? It was literally a different world than we have today. Radically a different world. Different world economically. Many folks are hurting. Many folks haven't been to school in nine months. Children are celebrating that, some of them are. It's different watching sporting events. You watch SEC football and it's just not the same. Seeing half-empty stadiums, not even half-empty, quarter-empty. I mean, it's just, everything seems different. You don't get to celebrate 
Thanksgiving and possibly Christmas like you used to. Church events aren't even the same. Everything has changed. And Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, I am approaching death. It's right around the corner. You need to come soon. Keep going in your Bible here. Verse 10, because Demas has deserted me since he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. I want to stop right there. I'm going to explain these verses because there's a lot of things going on in these verses we're going to read. Who is Demas? We won't turn there, but if you have your pen and paper, if you're at your house or if you're here in the sanctuary, you can write down Colossians 4.14. Don't turn there. But Colossians 4.14, Demas was one of Paul's associate workers. Demas was a faithful laborer with the apostle and missionary Paul. He worked hard. He was right there on the mission field. Many years ago, Colossians, another church there, not far from Ephesus, but it says in verse 11, Demas deserted me. Now, I want you to remember 2 Timothy. This is the last book from this man before he's about to pass away. Many years had passed since he wrote about Demas in Colossians 4.14. And it says this fellow associate minister had deserted him. Why did he desert Paul? Because the lure of the world, worldliness, is so powerful. That is a primary tool the devil uses to pull you away from Jesus. Do you know I look at the statistics of even our online um, worship. Online worship in April. Do you know I can go back and look and see what the numbers were. And it tells you in April that it tells you like the, the number of maximum number of people watching. In April, we were like at 129 in late April. That was when we maxed out. If you're watching online, you see that number there. That's how many people are watching live. Last week, the number high hit 62. That's half. So what has happened? We went from 129 to 62. Half the people even online. And you wonder, what happens? The lure of worldliness so there could be many Demases here, right here, that possibly used to worship online. And I know online worship is not, I feel for you. It is, it is hard. It is not the same. You know, this is the season. I want to encourage you. You make the absolute best of this. God's grace is upon you. You ask the Lord, Lord, open up my mind. Man, I want to make the best of this situation. 
God created us to worship in person. And I believe online worship, it might have been neat and cool in April. It's like, all right, we all get to meet online. But it's like this long winter. It's dark. It's cold. It's just draining. And you have to wear these things. And after month, after month, after month, it's like you're in prison. Paul's writing this in prison. And he's realizing, I'm dying here in Rome. Timothy, I need encouragement. This is not the same. And I think in many ways for you going through this season of online worship, there's a lot of people that have thrown in the towel. And you know that. Maybe you have family members. They used to gather around the TV or the computer or the cell phone. And it's, it's not happening anymore. They're watching Netflix. Demas is all around us. At one point, we were engaged. But now, the world just slowly, it's drift, we've drifted away. Paul, the greatest missionary ever, is battling worldliness. And it has not changed. This is something you and I will have to fight against every single day in our spiritual life. We have to wake up and decide, God, am I going to live for you? Or am I going to Go with the drift, the downstream drift. And the downstream drift drifts you away from the Lord. I believe the devil has ravaged many believers' lives through COVID-19 pandemic. And they don't even realize it. They've just drifted away, drifted away. Nothing, nothing big. It's just the, the downstream drift. Keep going here in your Bibles. Open up your Bibles. Second. Second Timothy, if you're tuning in with us, you just join us. We're in verse 10. Latter part of verse 10, it says, Cestrans has gone to Galatia. All these places here Paul's been to. He planted churches in all of them. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. So look at the isolation. There's an aloneness with Paul. He knows. This team I once had, I had this great ministry team. All these people were once with me. It's just me and Luke. And I'm in jail. What started so exciting, so positive, all of a sudden you turn around years later and go, where, where did everybody go? What has happened? Only Luke is with me. Now this is encouraging, verse 11, this next words. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful for, to, for me in the ministry. I want to stop right there and talk about this. I don't want you to turn there, but again, if you have your pen and paper, you can write down this Bible verse, Acts 13, 13. Who is Mark? Mark is described in verse 11 as being useful for Paul. Now, we saw the example of Demas. Demas became worldly, and he was an associate minister who drifted away. 
even ministers, preachers, they can drift away from the gospel. Very easy to. There's a, the, the worldly lure can pull anyone, if you are not grounded in God's word, daily with the Lord, you will drift. But not only that, some of us are like Mark. In Acts 13, 13, Mark, in Paul's very first missionary journey, he went out to the island of Crete. And he starts doing some ministry there. And he's there with Barnabas. And he's there with Silas. And he's there with Mark. But Mark was a young guy. He's one of those what we would call maybe a millennial. It's his first job. First time away from mom or dad. He's in a new, new country, new city. Things are different. And he starts doing the work of the Lord. And it's hard. So he thinks, you know what? I miss mama. I need to go back home. Paul, you keep up the good work. I'm going to hop on the next boat and go check on the family. And he did. He hopped. He went home. Paul's one of those guys. If you abandon him, if you remember from chapter 13, Barnabas and Paul actually had to split had a church split over this, a missionary split over this, because of what Mark did. He abandoned the Lord's work. What is so encouraging about this? Here we are, decades later, decades later, and now Paul in prison is saying, Mark has been restored. Isn't that encouraging? Demas drifted away, but even if you have drifted away from the Lord, even if you've thrown in the towel, maybe in April you did throw in the towel to online church. The great thing is we, have, we serve a God who restores you. You don't want to be a Demas. You want to be a Mark, because now Mark is back. He's returned to being useful for kingdom ministry. And even if you have let the Lord down. If you have been tripped up spiritually, we repent of our sins, we confess our sins, and we allow the Lord to pick us back up and put our feet on solid ground, and we continue gospel-centered work. Even if you've been out of church, I know I'm talking to some folks online right now, you've been out of church for years. It's Christmas season. and You just... You, you know what God is speaking to you. He's calling you home. And you need a restoration, a recommitment, just like Mark. You need to become useful again for gospel ministry. God has a plan and purpose. Look here in your Bible. Verse 12. I have sent Thyacus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus as well as with the scrolls, especially the parchments. What Paul's talking about here is Paul wants his books. Paul wants his coat. He's cold. He's alone. He's isolated. He's bored. I've never been in jail, but I'm sure if you're sitting in a jail cell, you just want anything to read, anything to look at. And he's asking, he is able to have communication to the outside world. 
He's saying, Timothy, when you come visit me, please bring me my books. Bring me my cloak. Bring me some resources, some tools. Alexander, the coppersmith, did great harm to me. You know, this is kind of like Paul's, it's his final words he's saying. But there was this man named Alexander. We don't know what the harm was. It says the Lord will repay him according to his works. Watch out for him yourself because he strongly opposed our words. We don't exactly know what type of great harm, but apparently he opposed Paul. Whether that meant he went behind him and tried to discourage all the Christians and kill that church and have Paul arrested, we don't know. He could have planted seeds of discord and gossip among the people, but there was a man named Alexander who is actively working against Paul. He'd go in there and start a new church, lead people to Christ, and here comes this other man and tell them something completely opposite. He says, you don't need to listen to Paul. Paul's a liar. Y'all don't need to be meeting here. I'm going to call the Roman government and have y'all arrested. So he's being opposed by this man. And he's warning Timothy. He says, Timothy, this guy hurt my ministry. He's hurting our work. You need to guard yourself against him. Because he will do the same to you. Paul's reminding of the work. By this man. It and will he's continue on. Timothy, says, but there will be opposition. Guy, Don't miss this phrase here that ministry. we read verse 15. He's hurting our work. Or, I'm sorry, the latter part of verse 14. The Lord him. will repay him according to his works. Because you know, do we do not seek revenge. Vengeance is the Lord's. That's what the Bible says. Alexander was opposing Paul. Paul was not, Timothy was not, the early Christians, they were not to strike back. You are not to strike back. God does not want us to fight back. We do not fight. The Lord fights for us. The Lord goes to battle for us. The Lord is the one who repays. And the biblical principle, I think, for us is Paul saying, hey, there's this guy named Alexander. You just don't need to let him in any leadership or any influential positions in the church. Guard Against what he's going to say. You need to be extremely aware. But you don't. You don't the Lord fight, fight and for us. battle him. The Lord goes you just to battle need to be for us. very the Lord cautious around him. And he's, already hurt, he's already done damage to us. He will likely, Timothy, do the same to you. Keep going to hear in your Bible. Verse 16. At my first defense. No one stood by me. It's hard standing alone. Many of you may be online, you're staying alone. There was one point, maybe in April, where your whole family was gathered around the television watching and participating in online Sunday school, online church, and now it's just you. We don't know what's happening to you. Well, you do know what's happening. They've drifted away. They've pulled the demons. Many times, we will find ourselves standing alone. You need to be prepared to stand alone. Children in church and in school, you might be the only one. Paul, I think what's so powerful, the man wrote 13 books of this Bible. He is saying, guys, I stood alone. We are going to go to heaven and we are going to see Paul. And here is the greatest missionary ever. 
he's saying, no one stood by me. Verse 16, but everyone deserted me. He was abandoned. Do you remember when Jesus was arrested? Bible says too, they deserted him. Part of being a faithful follower is there will be days. There will be times that you must stand alone. Whether that's in school, at work, in your family. It might even be in church where you have to do the right thing. And no one else is with you. Paul did it. Jesus did it. You're to do it. May it not be counted against them. You look at the compassion Paul has. He's saying all these folks that deserted me. God, just forgive them. Isn't it great? When you give your life to Christ and you're about to pass away, enter into his presence. You can honestly say, Lord, I have no, no animosity, no hurtful spirit. I have nothing against anyone else. What a blessing to be able to go into glory saying, Lord, my, I, I, I have no, no hate in my heart. I love everyone. I have forgiven everyone. I have no bitterness, no resentness, resentment, no unforgiveness. That's what Paul's saying. All these people who abandoned me, I, I'm going, I'm coming to you, Lord. But the Lord stood with me. Isn't this great? God stands with you. As you stand, the Lord stands. But the Lord Jesus stood with me and strengthened me. That I might fully preach the word and all, so that all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is writing this because he realizes, I'm about to go to heaven. Winter is coming. Dark days, I'm getting weaker. COVID is surrounding me. Difficult times. But Lord, you have stood with me. You have strengthened me. Now, it's really interesting. There's a benediction here, these last few verses. Second Timothy doesn't end. It's like Paul would typically end. Verse 18 would end most of his letters. He would talk about, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. But then he added these extra words here. We can't overlook these final words. Greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Omniphorus. Erastus has remained in Corinth. So he's got, I've got a few more bonus words here. I left Trophimus sick at Meltus. Now look at verse 21. Timothy, I want you to make every effort to come before winter. Come before winter. Why is Paul saying that? Because he knows winter means two things here. First of all, he has to cross the Aegean Sea. Just like here in Lexington. It's almost winter. Winter is approaching. Right around the corner. It's almost Christmas time. The weather days are getting shorter. It's getting colder. 
But not only is he talking about come before winter because of the seasons and Timothy won't be able to travel, he knows this is going to be the last opportunity you ever get to see me. You cannot delay in giving your life to Christ. We do not know what tomorrow, what the spring holds. Think about people whom you've known this year, who were once with us last Christmas, who are now not with us. Last Christmas was their last time to be with you. And we come to Christ before winter because it might be our last opportunity. The reason I asked you to list your age that you gave your life to Christ online is because in my case, I gave my life to Christ when I was 15 years old. For the last 27 years, I have faithfully served the Lord. I have had nearly three decades of being a believer. Now, you might get saved when you're 80 years old. And then you go to be with Jesus when you're 81 years old. So you have one year to live for the Lord. It's important for you to give your life to Christ at a young age because that means you have decades, if you live a long time, decades of service to the Lord. Someone who's 15 hopefully has many years of serving the Lord compared to someone who's 80. This is why there's an urgency to come to Christ today. You do not delay. You do not know if you'll make it to spring. We do not know what the future holds. It might not be COVID. It could be heart problems. It could be cancer. Many call our children in Fayette County Schools. 49 years old, two days ago, he stepped into the presence of the Lord. That's Fayette County Schools superintendent. We come to Christ before winter. Because just like Paul is being warned here, we don't know. It could be our last opportunity. This morning, Paul is dealing with abandonment from the inside and he's battling opposition from the outside. And you this morning, you're thinking, I'm battling this too. I've got abandonment and I've got opposition. And Christ is speaking to you. And he's saying, you need to come before winter. You need to have many more years of serving the Lord. And if you've been delaying it, Christ is speaking to you now. Are you ready to get saved? Today is the day of salvation. Christ tells us, Paul is speaking with an urgency. Timothy, don't delay. This is it. If you want to see me, this is your last opportunity. And for you who are saved, 
You might be watching this and you're saying, Daniel, I'm saved. I've been saved many, many decades. You might have some family members. You likely have some fellow co-workers or maybe some friends, and they are not watching church online. They do not go to church. They are lost. And God wants you to be the, the witness this Christmas season. Many people are open to the gospel. They know Christmas is about Jesus being born in the manger. And God wants to use you to share the good news of Jesus' birth so they could be saved. Who do you need to share the gospel with before it's too late? How sad would it be for someone God placed in your heart to share the good news of Jesus with and you didn't do it? Begin praying, looking for that opportunity. Make time, even in this COVID season, you can pick up the phone, send that email or text, and be a great witness to somebody who needs to hear about Jesus. You who are watching this, you want to give your life to Christ, you can do so right now. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, wherever you're at. You repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I want to be saved. I want to be saved before it's too late. I'm coming to you. Thank you for saving me. I'm yours. The rest of the days of my life, I want to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. If you said that prayer, or maybe you need to know more about what it means to come to Jesus Christ, you send our church Facebook page a message, you call our church office, send me an email. Myself, Brother Hurd, Zach Bauer, David Dell, Chris Wright, Miss Sherry Lyons will be happy. Our ministerial staff will be happy to get in touch with you, talk about what it means to know the Lord. God bless you. We will be here again next Sunday at 1030 in person in two weeks at 1030. We'll be back. I'm going to ask David Dell. He's going to come forward. We're going to have our closing song.